Hello and welcome to the Feck It Fun, Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. I'm Helly and I'm here to provide regular bursts of information and inspiration, some neuroscience applicable to eating disorder recovery, perhaps a few rants, but otherwise lots of positivity with a bit of a Feck It attitude, some fun and a sprinkling of fabulousness to help everyone find freedom in recovery. Hi everyone, how are you doing today? Perhaps just stop for a moment and think about that. How are you doing today? How are you doing with bashing the eating disorder out of your life today? How are you feeling emotionally and physically if you actually stop just for a moment and think about that? And just stop being addictively busy and on the go for a moment and just tune into yourself. How am I feeling? How am I doing physically? How am I doing emotionally? Am I overwhelmed and drained and exhausted? Have I eaten today to satisfy all my hunger? Or have I been restricting? Have I been engaging in ongoing energy deficit creating activities? Or have I been keeping myself busy to distract from the fact that I am hungry, but that I am scared to sit and eat and rest and let myself heal. It's really worth taking time sometimes to think about just how you are doing and allow yourself to tune in to what you need and start to find ways to give yourself what you need. Even though that does necessarily often mean making some life changes and what can feel like some sacrifices in the moment. But They're not sacrifices if they lead you to a better life and they lead you to the ability to be able to give back to the world in all kinds of ways that you haven't been able to and you can't with an eating disorder. So I hope that you are doing okay today and I hope you are giving yourself the food and the rest and the nourishment and the time to heal and restore that you so desperately need because you deserve all those things. You deserve not to be hungry and exhausted and drained and overwhelmed all the time. And you can find that life, but it does take work to get there. So I don't think I said that I'm Helly and this is the Feck It Fun, Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast, although most of you already know that. In the last couple of episodes, I've been talking about the Minnesota Starvation Experiment. And this is part three of the series, and this is the last part of the series in which I'm going to really be talking and reflecting on the Minnesota Starvation Experiment. And so up to now, I've been relating the Minnesota Starvation Experiment to restrictive eating disorders and highlighting why it's important to know about if you have or you're overcoming an eating disorder. So the first episode on this, which was two weeks ago, covers what the experiment involved and some of the key findings from it. And the second episode, which was released last week, related the experiment and its findings to restrictive eating disorders and to the recovery process. And in this final episode, it's going to be a slightly shorter one. It's about what the Minnesota starvation experiment teaches us about starvation syndrome and which of the commonly seen symptoms with a restrictive eating disorder could be purely symptoms of starvation rather than more directly related to an addiction to energy deficit, which is what I now consider a restrictive eating disorder to be. 
And as I said in the last episode, and I'm very quickly going to remind you that all this information and so much more is available in my book, the first one, um, which is called Addicted to Energy Deficit. And it's a neuroscience-based guide to restrictive eating disorders, what they are, and how to overcome one. So a lot of this information about the Minnesota Starvation Experiment is in that book, if you want to know more about it. And there's a lot more information as well in there about restrictive eating disorders, which a lot of people are telling me they're finding very helpful. So that's great if that's the case. And if you haven't read it, maybe it will help you too. I've also released a second book called Aiming for Overshoot, which is more of a practical handbook. So feel free to read that one too if you want to. But either way, all this information is slowly being dripped out as well through this podcast and you can access that for free, of course. So getting back then to the topic of today's episode. If you can understand a restrictive eating disorder as the brain being addicted to the state of energy deficit, then it's possible to recognise that any energy deficit creating behaviours such as restrictive eating and compensatory methods will create a high reward response and so in themselves become addictive behavioural symptoms that are then very hard to stop. But there are also several other behaviours commonly seen in people with restrictive eating disorders that don't directly create energy deficit. And these arise instead as a result of being in an energy deficit or semi-starved state. And so a restrictive eating disorder creates semi-starvation and energy deficit. By definition, a restrictive eating disorder is putting you into energy deficit. Because with a restrictive eating disorder, your body becomes underfueled and undernourished. And so effectively, it is entering a semi-starved state. And I know you might not believe this is the case for you because you think someone who's starving must look emaciated. And if your body isn't so visually starved, it's likely that you falsely believe that you can't be affected by malnourishment and starvation. And another common misconception is that to be starved, you would be living on a diet that's barely more than an apple or salad a day. And as your restrictive diet is very likely a heck of a lot more than an apple or salad a day, you probably also doubt that you are physically and mentally starved. But a restrictive eating disorder will leave your body in a state of energy deficit, which means that it is not at the genetic weight it should be to function optimally, no matter what your body shape, weight or size is at the moment. If it's not at the weight that's optimal for you, you are in a starved state. And as a result of being in a state of energy deficit, and in that semi-starved state, your body and brain will be affected by what is called starvation syndrome. So starvation syndrome or semi-starvation affects anyone who is in an ongoing state of energy deficit and below their genetic body weight and size. And it describes the physical and psychological changes due to prolonged energy restriction, which might be through an eating disorder, or it can be from any other factors that lead someone to take in less energy than they are using. The symptoms observed in the men who were semi-starved for six months during the Minnesota starvation experiment give us the very best experimental evidence there is of the physical, psychological, cognitive and social consequences of semi-starvation. And these findings have 
since also been reported in similar studies done on prisoners of war or those who have faced starvation from famine situations. So the findings in this case from the Minnesota Starvation Experiment have been backed up by other studies. And all of this has led medical experts to understand the typical signs and symptoms of starvation syndrome. And I'm going to go through the typical signs and symptoms that can be experienced from starvation syndrome. And perhaps as I go through them, just consider how many of these you can recognize for yourself, because I suspect that there will be a good few there that you can really relate to. So when it comes to physical symptoms that can arise from starvation syndrome, you will experience a reduction in heart muscle mass. The men in the Minnesota starvation experiment, where you'll recall they only semi-starved for six months, lost an average 25% of their heart mass in that time. Body metabolism also slows down, and I have done a podcast episode all about the metabolism and what changes can happen to your metabolism with a restrictive eating disorder. So if you want to know more about that, then it's however many episodes ago now, I, I don't even know, but I'm sure if you scroll back far enough, you'll find it. But from starvation syndrome, your body metabolism will slow down and an average 40% drop in metabolism was seen in the men in the experiment. Hormonal changes can also occur and that can result in low or no sex drive. Women can experience changes to their menstrual cycle and men can experience difficulties with erections and sperm motility. And then other symptoms that can occur physically include a reduction in heart rate and blood pressure. No, you're not fit if your heart rate is extremely low. It's not because you're so super fit and exercise a lot. It's because your body is struggling and you are semi-starved. So if you have a low heart rate, please don't use that to convince yourself that it's a sign of health. It really, really isn't. You might also experience dizziness, vertigo and blackouts, edema, loss of strength and extreme tiredness. Although, as I said in the last episode, often people with eating disorders when they're deep in the restrictive phase and they're semi-starved and deep in energy deficit, don't experience the same extreme tiredness that people who don't have eating disorders experience from semi-starvation. And so if you have a hyperactivity, that's a sign of the eating disorder and it's just blunting the tiredness that would be there otherwise. Other symptoms include muscle cramps, nerve tingling, feeling cold all the time, dry and brittle hair, as well as hair loss, dry skin and weak nails, frequently having to go to the toilet to pass urine. Some people get lanugo, which is a fine hair that grows on the body, and it's just a very, very fine layer of hair you get over your whole body when you're semi-starved. And slow gut motility and constipation or other digestive symptoms can also, of course, occur. Then there are the emotional changes that come from being in a semi-starved state. And these include depression, anxiety, irritability, lack of motivation, social withdrawal, loss of ambition and interest in life, increased noise sensitivity, feeling frustrated with yourself, 
and sudden bursts of anger. Now, of course, a lot of those emotional changes can also happen from any addiction. So when you have an eating disorder and you've got that highly addictive state and you're building up a deeper dopamine deficit as a result of the addiction and the constant pursuit of your addictive drug, which with a restrictive eating disorder is energy deficit, then that otherwise dopamine deficit state that you'll be in when you're not pursuing energy deficit will leave you also with those symptoms of depression, anxiety, irritability. And so it's hard to know at this stage what of your symptoms is coming from the eating disorder and the dopamine imbalance that the eating disorder is causing and what might be coming from starvation syndrome alone. Next, you might experience cognitive changes, which are changes to your thinking. And these include impaired concentration, judgment and decision making, an increased rigid thinking and an increase in obsessional thoughts alongside reduced alertness and impaired comprehension. And alongside that, people also experience quite a few social changes as a result of starvation syndrome, which can include withdrawal and isolation, very strained relationships with your loved ones, less interest in appearance or personal hygiene, loss of a sense of humour and the ability to laugh, and feelings of social inadequacy. These can all be things that happen from starvation syndrome alone. A lot of people with eating disorders think that they are naturally highly anxious people who are very serious and uptight and quite introverted. And yet when they recover, they find that so much of that was actually part of being starved or having an eating disorder. And they discover that actually they're not that uptight and rigid. They can have fun. They do like laughing. They do like being social and aren't as introverted as they believe themselves to be. So keep an open mind as you're going through the process to overcome this eating disorder of just how much the eating disorder and being semi-staffed really does impact on who you are and how you feel able to present as a person. Because things will change as you go through this process. And if you are a naturally introverted person, then that's fine and that's wonderful. But it might be that you're not, and that's also fine and wonderful. Just let yourself be who you really are and don't form opinions on yourself based on symptoms that might be coming from an eating disorder or being starved. And finally, the other key way in which starvation syndrome will impact on a person is through behaviours related to food and eating. So typically, people who are starved develop food obsession where they're thinking about food all the time because that's just the brain trying to tell you to eat but there's also often meticulous meal planning. Focus only on meal times and not being able to think about much else. Eating very, very fast or very slowly. Playing with food or creating strange food combinations. And acceptance of boring or tasteless food and convincing oneself that actually this tastes quite good until you realise when you're coming out of this starved state and you're allowing yourself to eat more foods again, that, blimey, those foods I used to think tasted amazing were really, really horrible. People also experience binge eating episodes, and by that I mean eating large amounts in a short space of time with an associated sense of loss of control. 
hoarding behaviours, so things like collecting recipes, food or food-related items such as cups, spoons, containers, can all happen as a result of starvation syndrome. Then there's things like anger if food is seen to be wasted, and increased fluid consumption, particularly coffee, and excessive gum chewing. And also using more condiments, salt, pepper, things like that to add flavour to foods. If then you can identify with any of the symptoms that I've spoken about in this episode, then it's very likely that you are affected by starvation syndrome. And it will very likely also be the case that some of these typical behaviours that initially arose from starvation syndrome will have formed part of the rituals and addictive behaviours that your brain found reward in and so kept driving you to repeat. So when you have an eating disorder, it can be difficult to know which of these behaviours will improve spontaneously through enough renourishment alone and which will require more reprogramming efforts to overcome. And that just means that, as ever, renourishment and physical healing have to be key priorities for you. Now, I said this in the last episode, and it's very worth repeating here. You can have starvation syndrome at any weight or size. You don't need to be underweight by BMI charts to have a severe and medically dangerous restrictive eating disorder or malnourished body. Starvation syndrome affects anyone who is not taking in enough energy to meet their body's needs. And someone who has starvation syndrome because of something other than an eating disorder will have a drive to eat to restore their energy balance as soon as it becomes possible for them to do so. But when you have an eating disorder with a powerful addiction to that state of energy deficit, to that semi-starved state, then of course overcoming it is not as simple because there's a large part of your addicted brain that wants to hold you in that starved state. And again, as I said in the previous episode, with an eating disorder, you're likely to have had the behaviours that arose from starvation syndrome for a lot longer than six months, as was the case with the men in the Minnesota study. Therefore, some of these symptoms have become more deeply embedded into your brain and formed into behavioural habits or habits of thought or emotion. And that's going to require more brain reprogramming to overcome than getting out of energy deficit will alone. But as I always say, of course, that doesn't mean it's not possible. It just requires a focus on changing all those behaviours and thought patterns as you work through the process to overcome the eating disorder, eat more, rest, get your body out of energy deficit, fully out of energy deficit, not just partially out of energy deficit. Because while you stay in a state of still being under the weight that you need to be for your optimal health, you're never going to get out of starvation syndrome. You're never going to overcome the eating disorder in full. So yes, it sucks. I know it sucks that you have to keep gaining weight in a world that tells you not to. But if you want freedom from this eating disorder and you want to learn who you are without it, and just how relaxed and laid back as a person you really are when you're well-fed and nourished, then you're going to have to accept the weight gain. And so that's it for today's topic. But having just had that little rant at the end about having to accept weight gain as part of recovery, 
In this next episode I'm going to put out, I'm going to talk about why I don't believe eating disorders are driven by fear of weight gain alone. There's a lot of misinformation out there at the moment, and it is driving me mad with frustration, quite frankly, that eating disorders and restrictive eating disorders are a fear of weight gain, and that's what they are, and you have to find your root cause fear of weight gain. No, no, no. Yes, (laughs) you might have a fear of weight gain, but eating disorders are an addiction to the state of energy deficit, and your brain is latching onto fear of weight gain as the story it tells you for why you're so scared to get out of energy deficit. Because energy deficit keeps you in a state of being that is of course under your natural body shape and size. It keeps you in a weight suppressed body by staying in energy deficit. But your brain isn't doing that because it's scared of weight gain per se. Your brain is doing that because it's addicted to needing to hold on to energy deficit and to do all the things that create energy deficit. And if I took away your belief that you had a fear of weight gain, you still would have another story for why you couldn't eat enough to gain weight. If you really, really believe that you weren't afraid of weight gain at all, you would still have a restrictive eating disorder. So can we please just get rid of this narrative that restrictive eating disorders are just a fear of weight gain because they are not. And it's just driving stereotypes and misconceptions in the world that actually make people with eating disorders come across as being very shallow and vain. And none of you are shallow or vain and only obsessed with whether or not you have a bigger body. You have a powerful addiction just as much as anyone with an addiction to anything else is powerfully trapped in that addiction. And you can get out of it. And to do so, yes, you have to gain weight and you do have to overcome any associated fear of weight gain that you might have, because there might be some, of course there might be some. But that's not what this is all about alone. And it's really trying to break that stereotype because I'm also hearing from people who are now being turned away from treatment because they don't have a fear of weight gain and yet they do have a very powerful restrictive eating disorder, but their reasons that their brain is telling them for why they can't go through the necessary process to gain weight to get out of energy deficit are very different to having a fear of weight gain. They couldn't give a stuff about gaining weight, but they do have fears about other consequences that come from eating more. But they're now being turned away from treatment because treatment centres seem to believe that everybody with a restrictive eating disorder has to have a fear of weight gain driving it. And that is incredibly sad. And it's tragic that there's so much misinformation out there still. And it's confusing people. It's confusing the likes of you who are out there fighting this in your very lonely ways often, because having an eating disorder is incredibly lonely and trying to work out what your brain is doing to you is incredibly lonely and frustrating at times, but it's not helped when you're given this information that, well, you you must be scared of weight gain when deep down you know that you're not, and that's not what's driving your eating disorder in your case. But I'm not also discrediting any of you who do have a powerful fear of weight gain, who do have trauma in your past associated with being in a bigger body that you're now terrified of going back to. I'm not discrediting those of you either. I'm just saying that that's not the only thing that drives eating disorders 
And very often it's only a very small part of an eating disorder if it's there at all. But I'm going to talk more about why I don't believe eating disorders are a fear of weight gain alone in the next episode. So stay tuned for that one. And otherwise, please do all you can to get yourself out of starvation syndrome. And think about if you met somebody who was semi-starved, what you'd advise them to do to get out of being starved and then apply that advice to yourself. I suspect it will probably involve food, rest, oh, and yes, um, gaining weight perhaps. But I think you can probably cope with that better than you believe yourself to be able to. But it's not easy. I'm not taking away from the fact that it is not at all easy. Seek support to do this. Don't try to go it all on your own and think that you're just going to be able to magically decide to eat one day and it will all magically happen. Overcoming an eating disorder is not simple. It takes so much out of you, so much time, commitment, mental energy, effort, fear responses, everything else. It's overwhelming. It's horrible. But that doesn't mean you can't do it. And you can. I'm Helly. You'll find me on hellybarns.com and I'll speak to you hopefully next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Feck It Fun Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. Don't forget, eating disorder recovery doesn't have to be boring and doesn't have to be serious. Now go and grab yourself some food and have a fabulous rest of the day.